Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the podcast. You're back with another episode of Real Talk with Zuby, with your host, of course, myself, Zuby. Today, we've got on Joy Villa, who is a singer, songwriter, and an all-around awesome and outspoken individual. Welcome to the show, Joy. How you doing? Hi, Zuby. It's great to be here. I'm doing awesome. So um, you've made a you've made a little bit of noise at the Grammys before. I think the very first time. I heard you and saw a picture of you was uh, a dress you wore at the Grammys in, was it 2016? Probably. I mean, it depends on what dress you saw. It, I, mean, I, it, I saw the Make America Great Again dress, so I'm presuming that was it's 2016. 20, 2017, actually. Oh, 17. Okay, think, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll have fans. I lovingly call my Joy Tribe, but I have my fans that follow everything I do. And they buy my shirts on my website, joyvilla.com. They like my pictures. They will go on my live streams and they will correct me when I say, I mean, I'm very aware of what year it was, but they'll be like, Joy, you wore the dress in 2016. And that's a, a common misconception because Trump was running in 2016. So as a conservative, I came out in support of the president. And but that I voted for him in 2016, of course, but he was elected. And then the Grammys was just two months later. February 2017. So most people think it was during the election time. And I mean, I usually don't correct them, but if they try to correct me, I'm just like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> so that, that was, I was actually the 2017 Grammy. So the Grammys actually sort of kicks off the full year. So okay. it was the beginning of 2017. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. Well, before, before we jump, we can definitely talk some politics later, but before yeah. we get into that, let's talk a little bit more about you what it is that you do and your background. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you? 
Sure. So I'm a singer songwriter. My name is Joy Villa. I hit number one on iTunes, Amazon, and number one on the Billboard charts in 2017, following my appearance at the Grammys on the red carpet in a Make America Great Again Trump dress that I had specially designed for me. And I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I've toured 25 countries. I have toured all around the U.S. I'm originally from Los Angeles and New York. And I love making music. I love making music with a purpose. You know, I've hit I've hit number one on Amazon. I mean, I'm number one on the alternative and the rock charts on Billboard, which is a huge accomplishment for me. One of my personal favorites. What I want really want to do. Well, congratulations on those successes. That's that's awesome. Thank so you. How did you how did you first get into music? I first got into music when I was I would say five years old. And I was in a play, a Christmas play, in my kindergarten, and which was in um, Orange County, California, Laguna Beach area, which I was at for the first five years of my life. And went to this private Christian school, Maranatha Christian Academy, and we did a Christmas play. And I played Christmas Angel, and I was singing and dancing, and had a whole routine for it and had a really cool costume that my mom made for me that I <laughs> was a bit of a diva. I kind of forced her to make it look right. I told her, make it look really nice. And she had like, it had like this uh, iridescent wrap around it, some fabric we got, and I, I told her how to tie it. I mean, I really ran my mom creating this <laughs> outfit. <laughs> I was like, this is my time. And somehow I realized how important it was to look right when you're on stage at five years old. Um, I don't know. I, I was exposed to a lot of films and movies and old fashioned films. You know, I grew up watching a lot of black and white films. My parents exposed me to a lot of Diana Ross and divas, but no one in my family was like that. You know, my mom was a gospel singer and a stay at home mom who homeschooled us. My dad was a minister and a salesman who had his own fundraising, successful fundraising business. Yeah, it was just kind of like this thing that I had as a kid. And I didn't demand an agent at that time, but pretty close to it. And that was my first entree into singing and theater. And I have not, I didn't stop doing theater. Most of my life, I did musical theater. And that's where I got my background in being a performer. And I trained myself from being a shy kid. I was very shy. I was an artistic kid who drew and painted. A lot of people don't know that about me, but I was a painter at eight years old. I still paint to this day. I'm a really good drawer, as the kids at school would say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love art, but it wasn't until I started getting into theater classes, theater groups, acting classes. My parents were incredible. They put me in acting classes at 10 years old because I asked for them and they just supported me 100%. It wasn't until then that I really started, probably when I was around 16 years old, that I came out of my shell from all the classes. You know, it was, it was more like, okay, so I can be big on stage and in real life. And now no one would ever call me shy. No one would ever <laughs> call, people are always surprised. They're like, you used to be shy? I'm the opposite of shy now. But I trained myself to do that. That sounds very similar to me in a lot of ways, I mean down to the drawing when i was a kid i actually wanted to be a cartoonist so yeah that was yeah i used to just draw like crazy like all through wow. my childhood I, I can still draw yeah. but um i don't do it so much now and funnily enough yeah. when i was a kid i didn't like music either wow um, no I, I i started rapping when i was 18 when i was in university wow so, 
Yeah, it's uh, like I got in. I started getting into hip hop at like 12 or 13 just as a fan, just listening to stuff and started loving it. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. yeah, I didn't I didn't start rapping myself until university. So that's interesting because I think there are a lot of parallels there. And as a kid as well, I'm someone who was a little bit shy and self-conscious. But I'm now known for being quite the opposite, for being quite outspoken, fairly mm -hmm. extroverted. And I'm one of those people who has like zero fear of strangers. So I can just talk. Wow. To, I can talk to anyone. Like if someone's like, yeah, go to I'll, I'll talk to anybody. Like I don't I don't care. That's awesome. Isn't it fun, though, to be that way? I think it is a skill that it's a communication skill that people really need to know and master. Because as performers, we're forced to master that. It's a, it's a make or break you as a performer. I don't believe in being an art, artistic, you know, legacy, but behind the scenes, you're just this quiet person in the corner. I've, I've heard stories of people doing that. Mm. But for me, it's all about networking, right? It's all about connecting. Either it's with your fans or with the next person who could help you achieve your next great step in your career. So you have to be able to communicate and go up to people and approach them and and fail sometimes. Fall oh, yeah. flat on your face and just get back up and keep going. Yeah. I think especially as that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've spoken to hundreds of thousands of people. Like I've traveled all over the UK. Wow. Literally I've been to every city, every town, promoting mm -hmm. my music selling my CDs, passing out flyers, running pop-up wow. shops, whatever it is I might be doing. I think yeah. especially as an independent artist cuz you know, you don't have you, you don't have a huge label or mm -hmm. necessarily like a big PR company or something who's going to be doing some of that stuff for you. It's like That's you, right. You've got to get out there, you got to shake people's hands, you got to talk to people and That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's about authenticity. I mean, I guess if you're someone who is naturally very introverted and isn't super social, then I guess you don't want to force that and forcing that is not authentic. But if you are someone who is outspoken or extroverted or confident, mm -hmm. then, you know, let that shine. Not everybody will, not everybody will like it. Not everybody will agree with everything you say or everything you do, but people will see that you are authentic. I mean, of course, I would never ask somebody to go against their own integrity. Um, you, you know, you know, Hey, how are you? You look amazing. I love you. I love you, babe. Let's do lunch. You know, that's LA.com all over. I don't <laughs> say be fake like that, but you do have to put on a different persona as a performer or as a business person or as anybody to get in and break it into the world. And that's just fake it till you make it. That's just you times 10, you at your best, you when you're most comfortable, you when you're happiest envision that. Put that face on and go out to parties as that version of you mm. and just drill it, practice it. It's like a sport, like shooting hoops doesn't always come natural to people. Learning those steps, learning what each athlete has to do, you know, lifting those weights and, and learning those moves, ballet dancers, like that stuff is not just natural to most of them. They may be athletic, but they're going to have to drill, 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 practice, practice, practice to be that perfect, to execute that seamlessly and make you think that it is a natural talent. I mean, talent does come into play, but I do believe any shy person, any introverted person, if they tell themselves, oh, I'm just antisocial, I can't get out there, I think they're lying to themselves. Oh, I think yeah, society, yeah. you know, I think you can get out there. If you want it bad enough, you're gonna have to. You know, that's my viewpoint, because I train myself, 
to go from being shy to being extremely outspoken and out there. And that's also giving myself permission to be that person and not listen to what other people tell me I should be. Sure. I think that's like the way you've described it. I mean, and for myself as well. I mean, I used to be a shy kid. I used to you know, kind of sit there and play my video games and do my drawing and whatever. You know, I, I wasn't like antisocial, yeah. but if it were when it came to strangers or people I didn't know well, I wasn't particularly keen to have like some super long conversation or something like that. So <laughs> that's also something that I've naturally honed myself. And some of it did did just come with the territory of being, a, you know, when I started doing my music and was promoting my music independently and stuff, you know, it was like, look, well, no yeah. one else do this. I need to. I need to go out there. I need to put myself out there. And right. yeah, over, over some time, I think it's more like, I guess people have a different capacity for it. So someone who's naturally leans more that way all the time, just be like that because that's how they are. And then other mm. people, other people, it's a bit more like putting it on at certain times when there's an opportunity or you're in a certain situation or whatever. Um, yeah, but I think for some people, it, it, for some people, it's tiring. For other people, it's energizing. That's probably the it's, best. It's people. true. You know, that's true that there are different types of people. That some people, it is it is tiring for them to be social, and it is more energizing for other people to be social. I'll tell you, depending on the day, my husband will tell you, I, I get tired out as hell being a social person. Um, it, it can exhaust me, and then I go and I go. Maybe I'm one of those people that's actually an introvert. And I look and I say, oh, is that really what I am? And I'll look up all this psychology mumble jumble, trying to find myself. And I go, you know what, I'm just me. Yeah. And I think knowing yourself to a certain extent is important, personality quizzes and tests and those things can help you absolutely. Mm. But taking chances and being yourself is, is the best way to know yourself, going out there. And I can tell you from my personal experience, I was a shy introverted kid that wanted to draw, just like you said, Drawing. I wanted to be an illustrator and I write. So I was like, just me at home. You know, I played video games as well. I was like this little nerd. And that's still me. That's still a part of me. There's nothing I like better than just kicking back with my socks, my cat, my laptop, a hot cup of tea, the fireplace on, and my husband just, he's a nerd, you know, he's a photographer. So both of us are existing in each other's space, maybe not saying anything, but just being there and I read a lot of books yeah. and I, I do a lot of things that are, that are just me and myself. I don't mind being alone, but on the flip side, I go out there and I do massive amounts of handshaking and speaking and, and getting out there and being a big personality. And for me, that is something that energizes me to talk to others. Like when I do interviews like this, like I have three more interviews back to back to back. This energizes me to an extent but if yeah. I don't have my alone time, if I don't have my creative time, me and my notes app, just writing songs or listening to music or watching something on Netflix, if I don't have that, then I will be permanently drained. I guess so you. I think there is a balance and I think it's each individual has their own balance. I think even the most outgoing person, I've yet to meet an outgoing, outgoing people, people, people person who has no alone time. I no. think we all need alone time. I think it, 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 it depends on how much, but I think even people who lie to themselves and say, oh no, I, I'm an extreme extrovert. I think they're just wearing themselves thin. I, I don't know. For me, I've never met a true, true, true yeah. extrovert. Well, All the extroverts I know who are successful, very successful in life, in business, yeah. finance, in arts, have forced themselves 
force themselves to be that way. That's my personal philosophy. I think it's a trained skill that anybody, like reading, like riding a bike, that anybody can have. Yes, it may come more natural to some, like athleticism, you know, like singing talents, rapping, doing things, writing. We have a choice. We don't have to be happy with just what we were born with. We can actually achieve more than what we were born with. And I think we actually owe it to ourselves as creative individuals to achieve more than what we were given. I think that's part of the game of life. That's part of the fun. If you were born shy, it's super introverted, and the mere thought of going outside scares you, then good. Start by going two feet outside your door every day. Desensitize yourself. Go against the grain. Don't listen to what people say. Oh, you just need medication and you stay inside. You'll never be on stage. If that's your dream to go outside and be an actor, and you're going to have to go outside or to be a musician, be on stage, start with baby steps, train yourself, because that's what I did from being oh, yeah. a severely shy kid, friendly. Like you said, I wasn't antisocial either. I was friendly, but I was very closed off. And there was also a lot of emotional pain in that as well, growing up and in a very up and down household where my mom had mental health issues and my dad was screaming and yelling as an Italian Argentinian it was hot and spicy in the kitchen and sweat on everyone's brow and my mom black American part Native American screaming and I mean it was like you would hear noise no matter what in my household so I was very content around chaos and my protective measure was to be more quiet be more sane be more conservative be more like everyone just calm down just calm down. It's one of my favorite things is like, let's just stay calm. I was a calm mediator. And then I re- got out of that situation growing up and I realized, oh, I don't have to play just that part. I can be the wild one. And of course I took it too far. <laughs> you know, you go, okay, now let's go the other way. Let's have, let's see how the other, I'm going to be the wild child. I'm going to be the party girl, the girl who takes off her shirt and is dancing on the table, swigging a bottle of vodka in her bra, right? I mean, I was that Hollywood party girl. And it was yeah. so much fun. And I felt like I was fun to be around and everyone loved being around me. I was that extreme extrovert up yeah. for anything. And then I realized that's also not me. I'm somewhere in the middle. Awesome. So Joy, you touched on it a little bit earlier on your childhood and growing up in a little bit of a chaotic household. So tell us a little bit more about your childhood and where and sort of how you grew up. Yeah, I grew up in Santa Barbara and also in Los Angeles and in New York as well. So I grew up in New York when I was 10 years old and life was kind of chaotic. My mom suffered from mental illness. There was a lot of craziness in the household, but it was also a lot of love. My parents never let me leave the house without telling me they loved me. So that was a huge influence on my life. Being able to say, I have parents who love me and no matter what, I mean, we had a lot of craziness. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. (laughs) I'm actually writing a book on my upbringing and and what led me here to the life I lead now. It's going to be inspirational. But at the end of the day, I never thought, you know, as a kid, you think your life is normal. No matter how crazy it is, you think I did anyways. I thought someone always has it worse than me. So I didn't grow up with this victim mentality. I grew up thinking, well, at least I have a mom and dad. Most Mm. kids don't even have dads, right? So I thought other kids were more victims, were worse off. And then now I've faced a lot of my fears and a lot of the things that I've grown up with. You know, I've read a lot of books and, and talked to really great 
religious leaders and counselors and, and dealt with my past trauma. And it's a different thing. I realized I had a lot of trauma growing up. I just didn't realize it. And one of the, the ways that I would, would sort of protect myself is by going into my artistic and creative shell, by drawing, by creating, by dreaming, by imagining what my life would be like when I got older. You know, yeah. I would sketch and I would, I would journal every day and I'd watch comic book movies. And I'd read comic books and I just, I mean, now we have such a, such a onslaught of incredible creative talents and comic con and, and festivals and speaking, you know, places where you can go hear creative speak and YouTube, you know, YouTube videos where you can just at the, at the touch of a mouse type in who you want to hear master classes and you can learn so much, but I didn't have all that when I was younger. So it was a lot of just me in my mind. It was me and my siblings, me and my dolls, you know, pretending that they were my models and taking pictures of them, creating <laughs> little fashions for them and, and, and pretending to do little TV interviews with them and videoing yeah. my own little sketch comedy shows with some of my friends from school. A lot of stuff I see that has made it, I guess it's my generation, us millennials, uh, has made it onto TV. And I go, wow, I used to do that as a joke when I was a kid. And now <laughs> Netflix is distributing it as a series. Wow. Yeah. I should have got on that. <laughs> so do but, you think the do you think the access to technology and social media and constant entertainment and whatever in your pocket, your hand, do you think that makes people more or less creative overall because you could sort of argue it both ways so if you don't have access to all these things to alleviate boredom you might be more likely to do some writing or some reading or draw mm. some pictures whereas now you know i think a lot of kids you know they think okay i'm bored so i'm just gonna watch youtube or i'm just gonna watch this or watch that it's like i wonder if sometimes that might stifle their creativity a little i don't know you say what you think creativity is stifled by technology? I just think we live in such an overstimulated world, right? You know, like people mm. don't, people kind of don't have to experience boredom anymore. You know, there's always uh, YouTube, oh. YouTube has infinite content. There's always, you can watch Netflix. You can, you know, before it was like, okay, I'm bored. Like I need to do something. Oh, there's a piece of paper. Let me draw a mm. picture. Let me write a very, poem. Let me very do Very good point. Yeah. So sometimes I wonder with the younger generation who's completely growing up with this if they'll right. be as creative that's a really good point um i don't know because i think that our generation the generation before us probably thought the same thing that movies and tv right our parents and our parents parents probably thought tv would kill creativity right because they used to have only radio and they had wooden toys instead of this newfangled plastic, you know? So I think that each generation thinks that the next, the former generation is old fashioned and didn't know what they were talking about. And the next mm -hmm. generation is too futuristic and doesn't know what they're talking about yeah. <laughs> or will grow up with a lack of fill in the blank. So I really think that the next generation is probably going to be more creative. I okay. think it's, it's going to be, but it's going to take the time out of it. You know, when you look at what our parents had to go through to create something, if you had a book idea, you had to use a typewriter. And maybe it's our grandparents, but let's just say it's our parents, right? Baby boomers, let's say people mm -hmm. in their 60s now, they had to use a typewriter to type something up on paper. Then they had to, to use whiteout or correctional fluid if it was wrong, right? So there was this very manual typing and erasing and then they had to 
look up and use a dictionary if they had the word wrong. So this all took a lot of time. Then they had to print it all out, right? Typing it all out, then take this to a publisher and beg them to publish their work, pitch their work. And then only then could they get it to the public. Maybe they could type out their own couple copies, but then they'd have to take that to a type machine or company that would type it up and print it and then distribute it. Now that that's a, at least a, a couple months process. If you were quick mm. nowadays, you and I can do all of that in one day, 24 mm. hours. We can type that on word, which will edit it for us, which we can then print out easily. We don't even have to print it out. We can upload it to iBooks via yeah. the app. You know, we don't even have to wait for somebody to publish our stuff. We can self-publish through Amazon. We can self-publish. We don't even have to print. We don't even have to correct ourselves. We don't have to even know the definitions because we have dictionaries all embedded into our programs. Like imagine that's almost in the blink yeah. of an eye where we can create our own books and our own content. Mm. Now, what is our future generation going to be able to do? They're probably going to be able to think it almost and have it appear, you know, I mean, it's going to take yeah. the time out of it in the future. Technology is going to be so quick and so in tune with us that it's going to be cohesive to what we want. So creative and hardworking individuals will just be better at what they do. I truly yeah. believe that. I do believe that people who wish for things, but never put the hard work behind them will still be lazy in the future. Yeah. There's just, there's like, there's lazy people now who blame everyone, the government, their race, their parents, their gender, whatever Trump's America because they can't publish their own book or because they're not successful. When 50 years ago, you'd had to go through way more things to be able to publish yeah. the book. Well, well, people, a lot of people don't really have perspective and gratitude. So people yeah. like to make a big deal about their problems or their perceived problems. People like to not take self-ownership. People like to blame other things. Like you said, blame the government, mm -hmm. blame the system, whatever that means. The right. man, the man, whoever that man. is, right? Just yeah. people have, have these sort of, people have these very general concepts of the thing that is holding them down or oppressing them. But, That's right. you know, there was a time in history where that surely existed. But when people talk about some of these things today in a Western modern country, I sometimes kind of raise an eyebrow, like what, exactly like who is who is stopping you from doing this thing that you want mm -hmm. to do because you're yours you're like in the top one percent of privileged people in the world that's so, right you know that's so, right if you are in a western country today you are in the top one percent period yeah. even if you're homeless on the streets if you're homeless on the streets in a western nation you're in the one percent yeah because people in darfur people in venezuela nowadays People in so many other countries are dying. They're dying, you know, and they're suffering mm. and they're still trying to make it. And that means nobody should be going, oh, you're more privileged because of the the tone and color of your skin. Or you're more privileged <laughs> because of your height and they're more privileged. Uh, I don't believe in this privilege. You have privilege if you're alive today. You have living human being privilege. Yeah. Use it. Well, two, two things on that that you just touched on. One, I've never seen someone who talks all this privilege stuff who is not actually in the top 1% globally. <laughs> so uh, you get you get people saying, you know, talking or you get people who are talking about the 1%. Oh, we need to we need to do this the we one need to like smash. the 1%. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, do you do you realize you're in the 1%? And they're like, no, what do you? And I'm like, globally, I think mm -hmm. I think the number is I looked this up. I think it's $32,000 
If you make more than $32,000 a year, you are officially in the top 1%. These guys who are talking down about the people, and that's incredible statistic, by the way, yeah. <laughs> are usually holding a $5 latte in their hands. Mm -hmm. They're wearing a $45 t-shirt. They're wearing $200 shoes. That's right. Capitalism, More which capitalism. I believe in. And yeah, it, works. Yeah. <laughs> it works. It works. It makes the world go round. Money does make the world go round. Money used wisely. Money put back into the economy. Money used to create more jobs. Yes. It's a tool. Just like a toothbrush cleans your teeth. Money helps clean everything in life. It helps it is the oil in the wall, the, the, the cogs and the machinery it is the oil that makes it run better. So if you have a $1,000 smartphone, you shouldn't be tweeting down with capitalism. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. $1,000 smartphone, uh, you know, $300 earbuds, uh, $200 haircut, you know, beanie from freaking wherever. $50 beanie, $200 shoes. Like they're wearing thousands of dollars and they got a $5 latte and they're going down with capitalism, capitalistic scum. They're keeping me down. I mean, this is the thing. The only people who are really for socialism and against capitalism are the uber, uber rich. We're talking the billionaires and the trillionaires of this world, the billion, billion, billionaire people. They want socialism because it keeps the poor very poor. Mm -hmm. It keeps the poor from being able to work and create and produce to get to their level, which would be danger for them. So it's very good for dictators. It's very good for people who don't want fairness in the world, socialism. And it's also the super poor want socialism, but it's the super poor who want to remain poor, the super poor who want to blame everyone else for their poverty, who don't want to work for it, who say, no, that's not fair. You have money and I, I don't. I want money too. So I'm going to take your money that you worked hard for or that your parents or grandparents worked hard for so that you could inherit. Someone else worked for that money. So, But no, I deserve it because uh, I'm another human being and every human being deserves other people's money. That's socialism in a nut nutshell. It's not working for Venezuela. It's not working for any other country that's been so Cuba. I'd say it's not just that it doesn't work. It's that it's led to hundreds, over 100 million people died in the 20th century as a result. It's not just that it didn't kind of work. It's like, no, it catastrophically has failed right. in every single. I, I can't think of any idea that has failed with such horrific circumstances so many times, yet people still endorse it gladly and people promote right. i'm just like how are you in a, how do you how is someone in the usa promoting socialism i'm just like what like have you not it's crazy you, you don't need it's to be a, you don't need to be a history expert but just just take a cursory glance at every country that has embraced this and look at That's what right. happened and it's right. very bizarre we're, we're obviously having a conservative talk here but what's it like yeah what, what's it like being a conservative musician in in Hollywood essentially I mean that's mm. uh, that's not a common that's not a common proposition so no how, what's that like do you have um are people obviously some people will be supporting you but are they doing it behind the scenes have people what's the criticism been like just how how's that experience been you know what it's been it's been crazy and fun and it's been definitely something that I enjoy actually because I get to be a bit of a rebel and I do have to work really hard. I have to mind my P's and Q's. I have to be very extraordinary because I can't allow myself to rest on my laurels. Like for instance, I have to be extra kind to of people because someone will judge me 
based not on the color of my skin, not on the texture of my hair, not on the, uh, you know, curve of my body, not anything like that, but on my political affiliations, on Mm. my thinking. So knowing that I come in with a smile, I come in, but I come in also strong, right? You know, walk softly, but carry a big stick. Like 2019 is all about be kind, be courteous, but take no Because that's another thing is people will try to bully you and tell you, oh, you shouldn't think this way or because you think this way, you are this X, Y, Z, insert racist euphemism here, there, this, that, and the other. Online, it's a bloodbath. I mean, online, oh oh my goodness, it's crazy. (laughs) I've been called every single word you can. I've I've death threats, you know, threats against my life and that of my family, rape threats. It's been insane. There's my kitty coming in. she (laughs) She knows about it. She's got her own death threats. People want to kill my cat. No, I don't know about that. Because you support your president. Yeah, I don't know about killing my cat. Hopefully, no. Who would do that? They would only want to kill me, not the cat. No one would kill a cat. But but a human being who supports the president, absolutely. String her up. So, yeah, it's crazy. But in the music industry, there's two different things. There's people who actually agree with me. Um, and they, they just sort of secretly let me know, but they don't <laughs> exercise their power yet. Yeah. Um, then there's the people who don't, there's three different types actually. There's people who agree with me and who secretly let me know. And we hang out behind the scenes and they're really cool. They haven't sucked their neck out yet because they're also scared and I don't blame them. And then there's the other people who absolutely hate what I do and probably avoid me at all costs. And I've heard around the bend that blacklist me from events and, don't want me to be there and talk about my back, but that's fine. I don't care. You know, bye bygones, be bygones. Yeah, I don't need you in my life anyways. And then there's the other people who are very neutral yeah. and I tend to get along with neutral people who are like, listen, I don't care about politics. I, they just find it interesting mm. that I've created this niche for myself, that I'm outspoken, that I'm bold. I a hundred percent believe in what I do and they resp- respect that and respond to that as opposed to the insane fights. And those mm-hmm. people I love. I mean, obviously, right-wing people who do agree with me, I love them. I mean, I've gotten in fights with with right-wing people who try to nitpick me, too. It's on every (laughs) side, this weirdness of you have to think exactly like I do. I'm like, no, nobody should think exactly like anybody. That's gross. Think differently. But have the same values and agree to disagree and agree on certain things. Yes, that's what I love. But it's crazy. It's just – but I think it would be crazy regardless. I'm just blessed – because I, I do have a platform. I do have people who listen to me and I have people who tell me every day in private messages and, and in person, thank you for standing yeah. up for life, for being proudly pro-life. Thank you for supporting our president. Thank you for being a proud American. Thank you for saying the things you do and not backing down. And that keeps me going, knowing that there is a huge silent minority or mm-hmm. silent majority out there um, who are by the mainstream standard news said to be the minority, but they're actually a huge majority that's just silent, um, who are watching me and who are supporting me from afar, who are buying my album, pushing me up the charts. And I love that. I'm a rebel with a cause. I would say I'm a rebel with a cause. Yeah. It's okay. I just think you gotta be, you gotta be a rebel. But I think that, I think that's the funny thing, especially in the world of music and entertainment, right? Is that they put that whole agenda of diversity and people being different and people being pushed mm-hmm. themselves. It's not pushed. It's not pushed anywhere harder than yeah. in the world of entertainment. That's true. But when it comes to political views and political diversity or thought diversity, suddenly it's like, whoosh, 
right? People want different yeah. skin colors. People want different genders. People want different sexuality. People want all that stuff, which is fine. But then it's like, as soon as somebody is like, uh, expresses a somewhat conservative or libertarian viewpoint, suddenly people are like, Ooh. and it's funny because again, on top of that, I mean, it's such a capitalistic, <laughs> it's such a capitalistic industry that's so driven by, I know, I guess what you could to some degree consider quite conservative principles that it, it always in my brain, it's, it's always just like, what's, what's going on here? Like this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. Like if, if a young artist is coming in and is, you know, asking for advice on, okay, how can I do this? How can I do whatever? Like the stuff you're going to tell them about self-ownership, about not waiting for handouts, about creating your own thing, building your own business. I'm like, these are pretty conservative principles. Do you see what exactly. I mean? Exactly. So I, I exactly. It, yeah. I just find it weird how there's that, how there's that sort of schism between the meritocracy and building your own brand and creating your own hustle and entrepreneurship and then suddenly if someone is a you know not even a full-blown conservative if someone just has some conservative opinions you know suddenly people look at them like ooh there's something there's something going on there so mm -hmm. um absolutely i would say yeah. and also it's a lot of um grandstanding and trying to look good you know, people will say, oh, yeah, I support X, Y, Z. And they have no idea. Oh, vote. Vote for this Democrat. Like, do you even know what this Democrat stands for? Have you even looked at their policies? Hey, I'm also not someone. I, I'm a registered Republican for the first time in my life. I've been independent for years. I voted for Obama before. You know, I mean, politics is a huge deal in America and around the world, I guess. But I was never someone who's like, just vote for someone because they're Republican. But now because the Democrats have gotten so bad, it's gotten so black and white mm. wrong like i mean they're pushing for abortion Killing. up to Kill. nine months they're they're, they're they're pushing for baby like actual baby, like, like baby infanticide like, yeah. yeah like they, no. they're like no holds barred that's yeah, what it's, they want it's it's crazy to me like i saw people talking about it on twitter and i was like okay it's like they must be you know, e exaggerating or something. And then I watched like the videos of like the actual Democratic senators. I, sh I showed it to my parents. Wow. And they, they were gobsmacked. I was just like, can you believe this? Like your Nigerian I, parents, they would I, never. I, oh right? my gosh. I was just like, what on, what on <laughs> earth? Like people vote, people vote for this. I was like, are people not seeing like, it doesn't even matter what side of that debate you're on. Mm -hmm. Like the guy was literally like, the baby can be, oh gosh, I don't even want, I don't really want to go into it. It's that dark. It's I, horrible. I was just like, it's so dark. What? It's so evil. And it's so here now. It's, it's a post-apocalyptic nightmare that is our current time. And this is where the Democrats have gone. They hate our president so much. They hate values so much that they are pushing for the absolute extremism. Extremism, like they used to be more moderate. It used to be like, oh, okay, this issue, that issue. But now it's, oh, we're gonna push for abortions up to nine months, and even after the baby is born, we're gonna push for murdering the child because women's right to choose, my body, my choice. What, what, what we've been saying on the pro-life side for years, with science backs us up, is that it's not your body. So it's not your choice. Your choice ends at your body. I can tattoo my body. I can feed my body what I want. Mm. But as soon as I'm carrying another body inside my body, as biological women do, it ends there. My rights don't 
keep going over this other being's body. Like I can't then go, well, I can take heroin because my body, my choice. You have a baby inside you. You have a body. You can't just decide that you don't and want to murder it just because you say it doesn't mean it's so. Now that was the craziness, but now it's even when the body's outside your body, you still can kill it. It's insane. So this is the extreme left. And I mean, on one good thing that's coming out of this is that more people are waking up in America, more Latinos, more black Americans are going, oh my gosh, white Americans too. This is crazy. This is crazy time. Like I've been a lifelong Democrat and I'm not voting Democrat anymore because this is crazy talk and Mm. this is not what I believe in. And they're waking up. I mean, their party has been pushing this for centuries, literally, but now they're starting to actually see it because it's now it's out in the open. I'm in the UK and I'm seeing it. I'm just kind of like, how can these people, how can these people and Hmm. other people think these are the inverted commas, good guys. So even if some, I'm like, even if somebody doesn't like Trump, even if someone doesn't like Republicans or whatever, I'm like, how can you like point me at something that the red team has done that is remotely (laughs) comparable to infanticide, to murdering babies. I'm, I'm, I'm like, that is like the worst. That's literally the worst thing that's the worst crime that exists not even just exactly. like a human like a bait like <laughs> an innocent child. I'm just they like, didn't even I, start I, with old people I, I like that like, or done. homeless people you know yeah. like they were like let's just kill like here's here's a way we can get rid of our homeless population let's just take a gun and shoot all the homeless people right like they started with that that would still be more palpable then let's just start killing innocent babies. Like while they're in the womb, while they're fully formed, let's start there. Like you gotta be pretty sick and twisted to say that's where you start the fight yeah. for well, quote unquote equal rights. I have I to mean, say, I completely agree with you on this because <laughs> I, I, I don't shift on this one. I'm, I'm quite unwavering in this. I'm glad, I, I'm yeah, glad. On, on this one, I'm like- a heart. Yeah, I'm like- You're a human being <laughs> with a heart. Yeah, and so is the, and and so is a baby, you know. Um, That's right. <laughs> like my position's not that complex. Like people, I'm like, it's not. I'm happy to debate a lot of things. If you, yeah. if some if someone thinks taxes should be higher and I think they should be lower, like okay, you know, we can we can debate this one. If you're like, I think it should be legal to kill people, and I'm like, no, then <laughs> then That's you know, debatable. you're not yeah. gonna t- you're not gonna have the moral high ground on this one you know what i mean no, I'm just ex- like exactly no. it goes right up there with slavery and you know drugging people against their will i mean it's right up there murdering yeah. people yeah, yeah yeah it's one of those things that no i have to draw some lines Satan. yeah exactly lines. <laughs> so but before we wrap this up i did want to ask um so i think it's 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 interesting that you're obviously you've been a very vocal Trump supporter for a couple of years now. Um, yes. And there are very few prominent voices, particularly in the world of entertainment, especially young voices. I, in fact, you're one of the only ones, in fact, mm-hmm. that I can think of. Um, so what is it that led you to becoming such a keen supporter of Donald Trump to the point of wearing the Make America Great Again dress and creating a song of the same title? It's really what he stands for and what he says. He doesn't back down. He speaks a lot like my dad. And my dad used to be very forthright and say, listen, if, you, if you're in this country, you should speak the language. You should speak English so everybody can get along. And people go, oh, oh, dad, come on, relax. Trump says the same thing. If you're in this country, you should speak the cultural language. You should be a part of the culture. 
Um, if you're in America, you should be American. Like if I go to Britain, I should be British, right? I mean, I should be, I should learn what slang means in Britain. I should eat British foods. I mean, I'm not saying you need to give up your culture, but you need to at least understand and assimilate. Mm. And that's not a racist argument. A lot of people say, oh, it's racist. No, any country you go to, if I go to Sweden, I'm going to assimilate into Sweden. I'm still going to be American Joy Villa, but if I want to get Swedish citizenship, I'm going to learn to speak Swedish. I mean, they all speak English over there, but still, I'm going to learn to speak Swedish. I'm going to learn how to be Swedish and how to what's culturally acceptable and what's not. And that's something that is totally been, that was the first thing I noticed growing up is that suddenly we're, we're expanding our schools to make way for English as a second language, but we don't teach them English. Mm. Growing up in California, it wasn't English as a second language was supposed to be teaching kids that come from Mexico, uh, families that come from other countries, teach mostly Mexico because it's right there, um, how to speak English. But instead it was just funded schools, taxpayer funded schools where teachers speak Spanish to kids all day and the kids don't learn English. They just speak Spanish. I know because I try to talk to those kids. They never learned English <laughs> in the, you know, eight years of school. Mm. And to me, I'm like, is this what your parents came to this country for? They worked hard so that you could have a life so that you would not be, you know, throwing it by the wayside. So that's one thing. It's just a cultural thing for any, any color, any type of person, any country you come mm -hmm. from. If it's a white country, if you come from France, don't come in here expecting us to speak French for you and bend over backwards to find you a croissant. No, learn English American ways. You can have your culture and still assimilate. That's what my ancestors did. I mean, that's what, what many people did. That's how you make it. That's how you make a way. It's what many countries have taught you, you know, mm. to, to be able to be a, a functioning citizen. Like we're, we're not a country made up of immigrants. We're actually a country made up of citizens, wherever these citizens immigrated from, they came here to become citizens. So mm. building the wall, making sure that our citizens are protected, our families are are protected and that people who do come here legally are protected is huge. That was a, that's a huge thing. He's the first president to actually say he's going to do it. And I mean, that's why I'm pushing so hard. And many other Trump supporters are pushing him so hard on it because many other people have said it past 15 years, all kinds of presidents have talked about it. Obama talked about increasing border security. Even yeah. Clinton talked about increasing border security, uh, Bush, everybody, but he, he's the first one who's actually saying, I'm going to do this and we'll do it. So these kind of things, putting American values first, saying, listen, we're a country. We can be nationalistic. We're not going to go the way of Europe, which is no offense to Europeans because my husband's European and I know you're European. But, <laughs> you know, being in this European Union has destroyed countries. It's, it's not good to think of this globalistic. Yes, we are a globalized society with the Internet. We travel. I do believe in traveling and in and, and reaching people across nations. But that's not the same as erasing borders and erasing national pride in your country. Like you should have a strong dollar of your own nation. You should have a, a strong economy of your own nation. Your citizens mm -hmm. should, of course, uh, British citizens should get more help and care and, and, and more benefits than me as an American. When I come to the UK, I shouldn't be automatically go, Hey, I'm here. And let's say I sneak across, which is almost impossible in the UK. It's very hard. <laughs> I don't know. I tried it's it. No, good, you gotta be a, gotta be a good swimmer. 
Yeah, you gotta be a really good swimmer. I mean, they, they, they grill me when I come to the UK. They're like, so what's your business here? So what you gonna do? How long are you gonna stay here? I'm like, listen, I'm American. I don't wanna stay in this country, okay? I'm I'm in and out. Don't worry about it. I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm not I'm not trying to stay here. But you know, they grill people like Australia, they grill you. That they their their border patrol is hardcore and they have to be because they're a westernized uh, economy, a western country, civilization, just like the UK. It's just like most of Europe is and everybody wants to go there and it works because they're hard on their borders. They're hard on immigration. America lets in a million immigrants a year, which I fully support. Should we let in more? Maybe. I don't think we should stop letting people in at all. I don't think we should close our borders, but we need to make sure that legal citizens get in and get preferential treatment over illegal aliens. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. If I go across the border to Mexico, I shouldn't be able to do that illegally and then claim benefits and get welfare. Why Why is that issue so controversial? I mean, that sounds pretty common sense Ooh, to me. Wee. Regardless of where someone sits, unless yeah. they're unless they just don't believe countries should exist. Then, I mean, then, yeah, it's just crazy, which, right? you know, which, which some people do, but oh, yeah, you know, sure. I, I just, I don't see why what you've just said there, it seems like from a distance, again, I see from a distance cause I, I'm in the UK, but it seems like an extremely contentious, controversial issue and position. Yeah. And I don't understand the, that know, people the are reason saying for it. The reason for it, Zuby, is that the Democrats and people who want to push socialism and want to get votes illegal votes mm -hmm. are pushing it actually yeah I, because I, yeah, that's more voters the more yeah. illegals that come in the more people will vote for them because they say look at brown people black people we're going to promise you everything give you nothing in fine mm -hmm. print they give nothing i mean democratic stronghold cities like chicago are, are just destroyed right i mean we have the most atrocious laws and the people who are making it in those places are capitalistic business owners of all colors who make it out alive Everybody else is in dire need of help. You know, we have people who are on welfare, black Americans who are on welfare, generations of welfare, because no one's gone in and said, this is not, it's not for you. You need, here's, yeah. here's a small business loan. Here's a, here's an opportunity, colleges, education. Let's, let's get these gangs out of here. Let's get these liquor stores and these Planned Parenthoods out of your city. Let's get, yeah. let's start cleaning up this area. Let's put in some yoga studios in the ghetto. Why is it always in these other pampered places? You know, yeah. there's so much we could do. Even that I think liberals would, W could work on, but no, they'd rather take the lazy way out, which is scare tactics. Oh, Trump is going to hang an, a noose and kill every black American and, <laughs> and deport all the Mexicans and, and kill all the gays, right? Like that's the democratic. I, 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 I don't even know where these things come from. Like it's weird how people parrot them and repeat they're them. They're planted. Like, yeah, people, there's people stories just, that are planted. People just say stuff. And I'm just like, where on earth did you get that from? Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I've yeah. never heard Donald Trump say a bad thing about black people ever, ever, ever. ever. Like, and I, and that's the thing. And people, like, he hates black people. He wants that. And I'm just like, where, where, like, he got the NAACP know, award. I, it's, was, it's just you know, strange. Buddying like, around with all the black rappers and they were all naming songs after him. Where, when he made sure that his clubs were open to blacks and Jews against what the, what the areas wanted. Where, when he hired black workers to build his buildings, like made sure it was diversified? Like, where was he racist when his daughter converted to, to traditional Judaism? Is that when he was a Nazi? Like, please, when he invited all the historical black 
colleges and universities into the White House his first couple months in presidency and made sure to put millions of dollars of funding into black education. Is that when he was a racist? It is weird. It is weird. <laughs> I, I don't get it. If it, it makes I, sense, I would be like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a few times. Yeah, no. They've yet to find it, any instance, any proof of where he's actually exhibited this so-called mainstream racism. You know, I mean, if someone says that they find some of his statements offensive or they don't like when he said this or they don't like that or they don't agree with that policy, I'm like, OK, this is based in this is based in reality and this is an opinion. Yeah. So I'm like, I get that. But it's yeah. when people people just go to this extreme of notion that he's some sort of like grand wizard of like, you know, the the KKK and he's, he wants to he wants to like purge ethnic minorities and yes. gay people the gay people one i don't even get isn't he the first president who supported gay marriage prior to taking the presidency yeah that's like, right like what's he even he had a he had a gay flag up on yeah. stage gays for trump yeah. is I'm huge just like, just... what has he ever done or said against gay people I, that's the thing like people just say stuff and i'm like based on what like if you, if know, you can, if you can show me something i might agree with you but i, I don't exactly I don't Exactly, Zuby. This is the sad and tragic fact is people just say stuff and then people just believe stuff without even looking it up, without even with just they just trust the news. And that's why he started the fake news thing, because it is fake news. Now it's become a thing where people don't trust the news as much. I think people are waking up. Alternative media sources like your podcast, like other people who are doing this are waking people up. But there's also the mainstream media, which is pushing that down and trying to fight it and fight against him. And so there's this weird war. It's like a civil war for thought happening right now. It's a culture war. We yeah. are at war with culture. Is culture going to say it's okay to murder babies at nine months old? Is culture going to say it's okay to just make up lies against someone just because they're a white president who speaks like a colorful New Yorker? And you don't like them. They hurt your feelings. So therefore they're racist. Like is culture going to flip? Now we're at this precipice where we can take it back and we can fight against it. We can laugh at it. Mm -hmm. But it does take conservatives, independents, free thinkers, heck, even liberals. I don't care what you identify as, but just be a free thinker. Don't go with the sheep. Just yeah. step out and question these news sources and say, well, wait. Is that really what he said? Like, look it up for yourself. I don't even believe any story until I, <laughs> I wait a good 48 hours. I'm yeah. like, before I even tweet about anything, because I'm like, mm-mm. Mm. Comes out, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. And then, of course, you find out. It's all baloney, most of it. It really is. It's it's very Public bizarre. for nothing. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. Yeah, awesome, Joy. I know we've been going for a while, and I I know you've got other stuff you need to get to today. So before yes. we uh before we jump off, what have you got in store, and where can people find you online? You can find me at joyvilla.com, my website, I have my music and links on there, blog, and my Periscope um, feeds as well. You can well, they're not on my website, but you can go to Periscope and Twitter, which I do a lot of a lot of feeds about stuff like this. I just talk talk out my ass. People love it. It's a at at joy underscore villa, very unfiltered, very fun. At joy underscore villa on Twitter, at joy villa music on Facebook, at joy villa on Instagram. Just Google joy villa. Click on those links. Don't read what the media say about me though. Well, maybe some of it's true. Should I, I should say everything you read about me is true. I, there was somebody who said, <laughs> I, was that Truman Capote or somebody who said, everything you've heard about me is true, which I think is awesome because then you never get triggered by anybody else's triggering <laughs> of you. 
<laughs> but yeah, if straight from the horse's mouth, you can go to joyvilla.com and I'm promoting my album home sweet home, which you can find on iTunes, Amazon, and wherever fine music is sold home, sweet home. Awesome. Joy Villa. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Zuby. This has been so much fun. Awesome. Have a wonderful day too. Bye-bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.